warning. The Catholic Man Show contains high levels of manliness. If you think you may be too weak to withstand the manliness represented in the following program, please do yourself a favor and stop listening now. If you choose to continue in spite of this warning, if at any time you feel yourself overcome by the manliness, stop immediately and consult your closest medical professional. And now, for the not-so-fair, faint, or frilly, we present The Catholic Man Show. Welcome, everybody, to the Catholic Man Show. We are on the Lord's team, the winning side. So raise your glass. Adam and Ann here, sitting with David Niles on my right. On my left is our good friend, Andrew Pudua from IEW.com, uh, Institute of Excellence in Writing, of Institute for Excellence in Writing. Got it. Yes. Some people, I think, are confused. Is it excellence in writing or excellence and writing? It's excellence in writing. In, in writing. writing. For right. excellence in writing. In because writing. you want to be excellent in it. Yes. I see. Because like... Because Juan I also po- just want Juan to be excellent. Juan Posada, his title is an excellence champion. Uh-huh. That's what he is at work. He's an excellence champion. So wow. it's like excellence now is a noun that you can like have. Mm-hmm. Well, it's been a noun, but it's something... Maybe it's a verb. You well, can if do. you say excellence, champion, can you help me with my language? Then it, <laughs> it's operating like an adjective. Adjectives; those are the words. Those and things. excellent, cha- excellence, champion. But it's it's also a reconstruction of a champion for excellence. Right. You know, he's promoting excellence. Is yeah. what he's doing. Yeah. So people, I think, is like, oh, are they teaching excellence and writing? Well, indirectly, yes. Right. But our primary focus is excellence in writing in writing and all the other excellence is just bonus yeah, yeah. what you would know if you subscribe to our email database because we sent out an email that andrew is giving away a thousand dollars oh sorry <laughs> so, something else uh, <laughs> that's, oh i'm sorry that's the government yeah <laughs> uh, free courses is what he's giving he's giving away three weeks worth of free courses um for third grade Third grade and above, is and that up. correct? Yep, all the way up. Uh, Approximately third, third grade. And all um, the way up. You know, um, all the way. All the way. Nice. Oh, yeah. How high does it go? <laughs> well, as high as you need it to, oh, yeah. honestly. <laughs> through, you know, school age. I'm in the 37th grade. <laughs> you Most of my it? classmates have dropped out. Yeah, you, I can't believe you passed. Well, I'm still there. in the 37. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, yeah. you don't have to pass a grade to go to the next grade these days. Apparently, just, that's you know, true. Right. My, go, my go mom on. told me that, that that she's a sixth grade teacher, and you don't have to necessarily pass sixth grade to get to seventh grade right. any longer. Yeah, it's, it's just a little, world. little yeah. absurd, I thought. But. It's like a rite of passage. I guess. <laughs> you just experienced sixth grade, and so now you get to go experience seventh grade. Well, once upon a time, grade level meant achievement, but now it means approximate age. So that's you know, accurate. You yeah. just go into whatever grade according to when you Your were age. born, not whether you learned stuff before that or not. Which honestly, I think is bigoted because that you just assume that someone's year of birth defines them. Yeah, like that. You know what I mean? That 
How dare you? Well, you know, it's ageism at its worst. Ageism, that's right. Another adjective. And, you know, if if you extrapolate out the current circumstances, people should have the freedom to define their own age. That is exactly, I'm pretty sure, what I was saying. Yeah. Really? Boom. Yeah. So, you know, if you're 14, but you you identify as an 18 year old. You should be a senior. You should be able to drive. Yeah, Why not? Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, if you're almost 60 and you identify as a 30-year-old, mm-hmm. you should live an extra 50 years. I agree. Yeah. You know, I'm a scratch golfer. Because you identify I as identify. One. I identify <laughs> as a scratch golfer anyway. So this evening we're gonna we're I'm I'm going me, I'm going to, and, to break this me and Kim Jong Un we're both I'm gonna break both, break this train of thought and jump into our next both topic. of our golfing ability comes from the same place uh, our our drink this evening Dave yes focus, I'm very excited about focus, it focus focus <laughs> is a this is something we we haven't had on the show very often which is a Japanese whiskey mm, and J- the Japanese make killer whiskey they they think they do they they definitely do think so yeah I think that they do well then they I'm must Japanese. Be right. Uh, <laughs> you look so Japanese. Uh, it's it's called Sensei. It's a Sensei Sensei, sensei whiskey. I mean, that's racist. I mean, because we we basically think that uh, at least I do. I think Andrew Poodle is like my Sensei, basically. And and so homeschooling. True. A lot of the ideas that I've come up with are not that I've that I've used in the house in the home have been from you. Like I don't know, you haven't you didn't see it maybe downstairs, but I have two whiteboards now that are pretty good size right next to my. Um, dinner table dining room table great great um that we use he had one before i did but i just want to say that i had a good one before he did okay oh. well you learn from each other and that's that's, that's true. what it's all that's about that's true yeah. sensei though um is the term essentially the the characters mean born before ah. so i was born born before, before you um doesn't mean I'm any smarter, but um, you definitely are. It just is. For the it record. is the term. It's the honorific <laughs> term that is used for teacher as well as doctor in Japan. Really? Yes. Uh, really? So, so it's they, interesting. Do they call doctors sensei? Um, if they would address them, yeah, sensei. You know. Nice. Uh, so you know that is um, kind of neat that in Japan they they honor teachers and doctors kind of equally, uh-huh. in, at least in their language. Mm-hmm. That is. Uh, yeah, the yeah. role of a teacher really is profound. And Japanese whiskey has, like, you know, within the last about five to eight years, have really soared in the market. They've they've really made a name for themselves. Uh, when some of the whiskey was uh, hibiki, hibiki, yeah, was mm-hmm. really. And really this is deal. maybe trying to say it's for your, you know, upper educated class. It's maybe older, therefore more refined. I hope so. We should we shall see. Okay, let's try. Right. We're on the Lord's team. The, the winning, winning side. So raise your glass. Cheers, Cheers to Jesus. One of the things, uh, well, I'll let you you smell. But one of the things that's interesting about us all being quarantined now and, and being in the home is that we've, as men, we've had to probably uh, start traditions within the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, that maybe some that you haven't thought about or. Th- uh, Something that you wanted to, or you've always thought about, but you haven't had the opportunity to. And now that you're home, you're not at work. You yeah. you, you have the opportunity to do so. Um, and one of the things that my dad has always wanted to do, he, we were talking about this this uh, this weekend, was he wanted to take the guys out to, for a fishing trip. We, my my boys love fishing. They are big fish. Like they love fishing. Mm-hmm. 
they don't like they actually like catching. I don't know if, how much they like <laughs> fishing, but they love sure. catching. Yeah. Sure. Um, and F- the love of fishing comes later. I think so as well. Where you like throw an unbaited hook in the water and just just so you can sit there (laughs) and just enjoy the peace and what are you doing fishing yeah and and talk and talk yeah Yeah. um and so he he wanted to he's we're planning a guy's fishing trip that he's always wanted to do every year but we haven't had your your father my father has yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and so um we're gonna we're gonna because we did that that growing up we used to go on my dad and me and adam's dad and him we used to go a couple times we floated the Illinois River fishing. Mm-hmm. And can his, and so it, actually some really funny stories. We'll t- later just if you know his dad, just picturing him in the back of a canoe. Great. So this is cultivating third generation fishermen. Yeah. Yeah. Adam's paddle couldn't reach the water because it was like <laughs> we were like we, we were like t- like this, it's like a forty five degree angle. Because because the, the weight the was ca- in the back of, of the, the boat, canoe, <laughs> rising the out little, of the water. Guys are in the front yeah, and yeah. their paddles. And are, I, yeah. I'm like trying to get my oar touching the water, reaching down. <laughs> I'm trying, Dad, but he's like, whoosh, she's creating this huge wake in the back, and it, we were. we're I think he actually, we were uh, paddling downstream, and I think Mr. Minahan actually reversed the flow of the Illinois River <laughs> for a while with a couple strokes. Wow. It's pretty epic. Mm-hmm. You think I'm making that up? I'm, that's a true story. True story. I, I believe you. Yeah. What, what, what do you think about the whiskey? Very smooth. Very smooth. It's got some fruit, like maybe apples. The aroma isn't too strong at all. I mean, I, I, it's a very light aroma. You're right. You can really put your nose in the glass. Yeah, it, it, there's some kind of like cinnamony, uh-huh. nutmeggy, yeah, spi- a little spicy mm-hmm. side to it. Mm-hmm. Sweet, it's it's sweeter than some, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It kind of reminds me, you know, Japanese whiskey tends to be more in in general tends to be more like a Scotch than it does a bourbon. But this one reminds me a lot more of bourbon than Scotch. Hmm. Yeah, it's not a very it's not a very long finish either. It's I mean it it's very sm- I mean for I think. This bottle was about a $35 bottle, so it's not too oh, really? expensive. Yeah. Uh, it, in fact, it's on the cheaper end of especially Japanese whiskey. Because mm-hmm. um, Japanese whiskey can get, can get expensive. Usually it starts at $60, you it know, can get in expensive. that range. Um, but for $35, it's, it's not a bad whiskey, I don't think. I mean, it's, it's smooth. It's pretty easy to drink. It's not, there's not a whole lot of flavor. Like, it's not like... It's not going to be overpowering of Mm-mm. of oak. It's not overpowering of honey or citrus or floral or anything like that. It's just a nice yeah. sipping whiskey, I think. And you you just found it here in Tulsa? Yes, at uh, Park Hill South. Yeah. Okay. So there's two different ways to spell whiskey. I know we've mentioned this in the show, but the you're not allowed to spell whiskey with an E-Y at the end unless you're a scotch. Like, that's one of the things that they claimed a long time ago. So really? bourbon whiskey is just S-K-Y. No, I never knew that. Bourbon whiskey is S K E Y. Am I getting this backwards? Yes. Because this is E Y, and right. so that's correct. So they're doing it differently from the other Japanese whiskey. So Scotch typically does without the E. Okay. And Canadian whiskey also does without the E. Do they? Yes. Uh, but bourbon and um, most Japanese whiskeys. Um, Was it, is that aged in barrels? Like yes. Okay. Yes. So it's a bourbonish. Yes, I mean, scotches as well, aged in barrels, but... um, Well, that makes sense, because this tastes more like bourbon, and so they're spelling it like a bourbon. I was getting it backwards at first. A spelling lesson today. Yeah. Who would have thought? Yeah, no kidding. Whiskey can teach you to spell. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, we're here with Andrew Pudwa from IEW, 
We're going to talk about homeschooling. I know a lot of guys are trying to figure out how to homeschool in their family right now with all the kids. So we're going to jump into that topic when we get back. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan and Andrew Pudua, the sensei of words. <laughs> so this week coming up, well, well, let me just put it this way: Holy Week is coming up. Okay, this yeah. Holy Week is going to be a lot different from other Holy Weeks because all the stuff that we usually do, we're not going to be doing. Yeah, so, at least in church. In the church, right? So we need to think about this. And be intentional. Make sure we have a plan for Holy Week mm-hmm. because it's a big week. So, regardless if you're you're able to go to the church or not, right? So, like one thing I was thinking about is on Thursday I am going to wash all of my family's feet. Oh, that's a good idea. You know, just doing cool. stuff like that where we can take the stuff that happens in the church mm-hmm. and do them. Yeah, do the same things in our domestic churches. And as the priest of my domestic church, it's my job. So. That's something that I'm going to do. And this is a great opportunity. Like, it's one thing to take your kids to the um, Last Supper, you know, third service, you know, Mass, where they, on Thursdays, Holy, Holy Week, Thursday, you know, yeah. yeah, Holy Thursday, thank you. And, you know, they'll wash the feet and you can talk to your kids like, oh, see how fathers... And you go know, through the Seder meal and things like... Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. But if you actually tell your children, take off your shoes and your socks, I'm going to wash your feet, like, that is a lesson in a much, much more powerful way. So I think, I just want to, this is like my, this is my, my, my David PSA, think about Holy Week, make a plan. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Because everything you do, you talked, you said earlier, um, traditions, Mm -hmm. creating traditions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And before the show, we were talking about culture Mm -hmm. and how we have, you know, the big culture of the world, the books, the movies, the music, the stuff of life, the podcasts. Uh, but then we have a corporate culture, and that we have control over. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't control the books and the movies and all that. That's just going to exist. We can filter it, but we can't control it. We do, in our home, have that corporate culture, and something like that is doing. And then the whole word culture takes on so much richer meaning when you think about the Petri dish definition, right? So mm. there's analogous meaning. So the Petri dish, remember... Like seventh grade, eighth grade, you had that little bowl of yellow jello. Yeah. And you would put stuff in. And then if if the culture was good, the stuff would grow. If the culture is not good, the stuff doesn't grow. Mm-hmm. So the question we, we all have is what do we want to grow and what culture do we create that helps us grow that? And I think your example of intentionality about Holy Week is tremendous because that's corporate culture hopefully growing faith right yeah and the culture is going to grow something you know like that petri dish yeah there's something will grow in it so it's it may up be to mold us. well it, it, right it may be bad you know and in seventh grade you know you're probably trying to get a certain mold to grow you know whatever it is so something will grow yeah. and it's up to us to by our intentionality hopefully yeah. decide what it is that grows not that we have absolute control over that but you know we can uh, we have as fathers of the house we have 
the largest influence. Yeah. So, you know, uh, if you think about <clears throat> kind of history of Christendom, for a very, very long time, there was kind of this order of things, and it went like this: the church. That was the ultimate authority. Kings were under the church. Right. All of education operated under the authority of the church. Education would then produce people. People would then create culture. And in a properly ordered system, the culture they would create would nurture the faith. It would support the church. It would support the mission. It's a circle. Yes. And, and so, you know, you think a thousand years ago, there's really no market for bad books. There was no market for bad music. There's no market for bad art or architecture right. or pornography. Or, nobody wanted it. Why? Because most people were in this faith, education, culture, faith. But probably a side effect of the Reformation. Education became unhinged. It, it, it came out from under the authority of faith. Hmm. And, you know, it took a while. Because, yeah, I mean, you even look at Harvard, Yale, Princeton. What were they originally? Protestant. Well, they were Protestant, but they were, quote, schools of divinity. They were designed to raise Christian leaders of right. a Christian yeah. people. But now what are they? Yeah, even TU, Tulsa University here in town. Mm -hmm. It's technically, well, I don't know. At, at, technically it's not anymore, but it was Presbyterian. Mm -hmm. But but the schools now have no authority over them. They right. are an authority right. to themselves. And so they create people who have no purpose in their mm -hmm. culture except self Self-aggrandizement, yeah. self-esteem, self-expression, self-let's just do weird stuff so we can get people to look at us. And so the whole culture is messed up because we've lost mm -hmm. the authority yeah, of it's faith disordered over education. education. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a disordering of everything. Which brings us to the topic of what happens when the schools aren't there. Yeah. And, and I you, think... You oh, know what? Right. I think that this... We are all going to see what happens if the schools aren't there. Wow, it got a lot better. <laughs> you know, well, not ev that's not going to be everyone's experience. No, right. And no. I think I think there may be a lot of guys out there, families, husbands and wives that are a little panicky right yeah, now. I'm trying to figure out like, you know, my world's been turned upside down. You know, normally I'm not having to worry about my children's education as far as I'm, I normally take them to school and they, they're right. learning. And now I'm having to do that, make sure that they're doing it at home. Mm -hmm. And I think that... Uh, Andrew, I'd like to get your opinion on this, but I think what Dave was talking about just earlier was he was made a plan for Holy Week. He had a, like, he's already thought about it. He has a plan in place. And I think what, the first step that you need to do, possibly, in order to, you know, be constructive in, um, in this homeschooling is make a plan. Mm -hmm. Let's make a plan and let's, let's initiate this plan and let, let's, Follow through with this plan. Right. If you don't have a plan and you're just trying to wing it every single day, things get a little crazy. Well, they do. And you, you don't necessarily have the experience of being at home all day, every day with your kids. Yeah. But you're not going to work because you're working at home or you got furloughed. Your kids are not going to school. Nobody's really going anywhere. So, yes. You know, what will you do with the time? So it's a double-edged thing there because, yeah. oh, no, we have all this time. We have to figure out what to do. But on the other hand... We have all this time we never had before. What can we do? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of exciting. And yeah. it, but it could be overwhelming. I get to see, like, I listened to your your lecture uh, this last week, which I highly recommend. You go to IEW.com. You 
Is make, that the website, IEW.com? Yeah, we have IEW.com. Will that, will that get you there? That'll get you there. You can search for um, our webinars. Yes. That are there. Um, I have a podcast myself called Arts of Language, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of good free information uh, all over there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it, it's it's phenomenal. And one of the things you said, or one of the things that I, I resonated with, was, there's a lot of guys that are like, I don't know where even to begin. They kind of get overwhelmed. And they think that they have to, they have to do everything, right? You know, they have to. Oh, I got to do math, English, uh, you know, all these yeah, languages, band. And band. Like yeah. I have to do I gotta everything. Do, I got to do school at uh-huh. home. At home, right? Yeah. Exactly. And, and you made a great point. You're saying like, no, 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 we don't have to do all of that. And you, I'll let you, I'll let you talk about that. Well, you know, in a way, a good curriculum is simple. Mm-hmm. You know, th- things can be simple but effective. And so you just you set your priorities. One thing that a lot of people have been, uh, I think, experiencing the opportunity for, you mentioned it, you're out fishing, right? Mm-hmm. I have seen so many families outside. Me too. You know, like yeah. in the middle of the day. Like Walking. Three o'clock on a weekday. I've seen more people taking walks. Families riding bikes, uh-huh. shooting hoops, like a middle-aged mom with her two teenage boys shooting hoops. At three o'clock in the middle of the afternoon, you know, this is not something you normally right. see and kids playing. And it seems that there is this opportunity just to get outside. And of course, it's spring. So we're yeah, blessed with beautiful weather, really good weather, at least here. Yeah. Uh, and and that's something that, uh, you know, is, is probably the most important thing to capitalize on with the time is can we just get outside? Um, I have a talk. I don't know if you've ever heard it. It's off our website. You can get it there. It's called Nature Deficit Disorder, uh, which I I actually just stole the title from a book called Nature Deficit Disorder. (laughs) And I gave a talk um, about that book and then some of my own experience and how, you know, kids today, they're just buried in screens and work and activities and busyness. Well, this can be, in a way, kind of a, a release from all that. So, you know, one priority get outside and then you just look at the three r's you know whoever said that couldn't spell because reading is r writing and writing is w and arithmetic is a but i don't know rwa just doesn't sound as good as you know the three r's but honestly if you read a little bit every day you write a little bit every day and you do some math so you don't forget how to divide fractions or whatever yeah you will maintain your intellectual engagement and, and you can do that actually in a fraction of the time that the schools require mm-hmm. to do that same stuff. That's one thing that we have learned homeschooling our kids is that we can get through the lesson before 11 a.m. hits. You know, we can get all oh, of our yeah. work done. Yeah. yeah and we, you know, we have breakfast in the morning, things like that, so we don't start at 8 a.m., but we can, we can get done before 11 a.m. And then our boys have the opportunity to go outside and play in the mud and... Uh, hit each other with sticks, which they've been doing a lot of. <laughs> yeah, and you know, just, great. You know, that's a great game. Yeah, yeah. A, a sword. You know, they were playing. They've been playing with swords, and they made their own shield out of cardboard with a handle on it. They have a handle cardboard shield, so they've been playing. Yeah, and you know, if you and, did that in a school that has a zero tolerance to weapons and violence, right? They'd be suspended. We'd, right. Right. Then they could come home and do it anyway. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. But we. But we've learned that. Uh, by homeschooling, we've been able to accomplish the same things that other kids have, have had to do from 8 to 3. We've been able to do maybe from 9 to 11. Yeah. And yeah. then we're, we've Especially had the, in the younger, the younger yeah. grades. Especially in the yeah. younger And so then we'd have, we have the opportunity of taking them you know, outside, let them explore, let them do 
kid things. Yeah. Which is a lot of yeah. fun. I mean, in kindergarten, they spend day, all the day coloring and stuff. That's what, what do you think they're doing at home? Coloring. You know? So. All right. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. Sitting here with Andrew Pudua, Juan on the buttons, doing a great job. I was going to say as always, but I can't say that in in charity. I'm telling you, not as always. Mostly though. Mostly. Like m- mo like most m- of the time. Like mostly. Right. So Andrew, before the break, we were we were kind of diving into okay, we now have kids at home. There there are parents here who are saying. I'm not normally a homeschooling family. Yeah. I am forced now into accidental homeschooling. Yeah. Uh, and we kind of talked about before the break, we need to have a plan in place. They're like, okay, I want to have a plan in place. What the heck is this plan? Where do I start? Right. What- and, and if you try to recreate all the subjects that the school tries to teach at home, you, you, you go crazy, especially having right. a few kids, right? Right. Yeah. And you got three grade levels and six subjects and 18 things to think about, and it's just, it's fragmenting. It's it's disintegrating to the psyche of the poor mom and dad who are trying yeah. to navigate. And, you know, I've been at this a long time, and I finally thought, okay, how can we simplify curriculum and still have focus in organization? How do we prioritize? Because that's what focus and organization are all about. We've got time. How do we best use the time? So I came up with this this model, really for my wife, because um, she actually has a degree in elementary education. Okay. Uh, so she's even more of this mindset, like, I have to do everything with everyone at all these grade levels. Mm. And I, I know you know we had seven children, mm-hmm. uh, not yeah. all of them home at the same time, but at least you know five or four or five most of the time. And uh, so I thought, okay, let's let's simplify three things to think about. You can handle three: mm-hmm. character, knowledge, skills. There's your, there's your course of study. Yeah. So character. Well, what is that? That's the stuff that helps you be a better person. It's it's wisdom and virtue. It's um, being cultivated with goodness, truth, and beauty. It's it's going to be probably the most important thing you do at home with your kids. Uh, I said to you during the break, you know, in retrospect, mm-hmm. you know, all my kids are, are grown. My youngest is 20 and I've got 14 grandchildren. And in retrospect, I think, you know, academics was probably the least important thing about growing up. There were so many more important, valuable things. Only it's easy to get caught up and worried about the academics. Because as we were talking... You know, you just worry about, oh, no, SATs and ACT and college and, right. you know, all that. So, okay, character. What can you do to develop character? Find some people to help out. Find someone who needs some help, the old lady who needs her lawn raked, and go over as a family and do it. You've got time now. Um, probably of greatest significance is the the books, right? The stories that you bring mm. into the lives of children, because those books, more than anything, expand the life experience of, of all of us, right? You, you can't meet enough people and do enough different things in your life to learn everything you'd like to learn about people in life. Uh, but you can read books that compress all of that and put it directly into your mind and heart. So reading out loud 
to the family in huge quantity books that inspire, books that have good character. And I'm thinking, and I, I tell you, I, I did a Facebook post on this, and I have never got such an incredible response from a Facebook post. This is by far the biggest thing that I have ever done. And all I did was I said, I, I woke up this morning thinking we need to read our children more stories about children living through hard times yeah. in history. Things like, you know, The Hiding Place or <coughs> movies like uh, Cinderella Man. Yeah. Or and The Lives of the Saints. Absolutely. Yeah. The Lives of the Saints. Uh, these stories of people, both fictional and, and you know, biographical, of people lived through wars, lived through famines, lived through persecutions. You know, that stuff makes what we're going through right now Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, and we're walk, we're all right. like, oh no, economic collapse and yeah. the whole world's never gonna be the same again. And I mean we have no clue. So I got uh, I got over hundred and twenty five comments of people suggesting these various books. Uh, you know, some are good for wow. younger children and older children. That is so a lot. I, I'm actually compiling this list of all these suggestions because mm. a lot of them I hadn't heard of and they were and a lot of them were wow, that's a good one. I forgot about that one. I'm going to compile it into a blog post and, and put that out shortly. Oh, great. But that would be the first thing is do things, service to other people, finding out how can you help, reaching out, and then the stories of people who've made it through tough times, character. And that probably is the most important you know, subject, if you want to call it that, or area or domain yeah. of, of education. I think it's so funny because, you know, Dave, you and I have talked about this before on the show, but, you know, as a father, our, our three stages is protect, provide, and establish. Yeah. Establishing being the most important. If you're going to pr provide and protect, uh, you, but you don't establish them to uh, to yearn for the, the true, the good, and the beautiful, what, uh, the protecting and providing really don't mean a whole yeah. lot. The mm -hmm. reason you protect and provide is, is so that you can establish. establish. Yeah. And, I, and you go at it. From the academic or from the homeschooling aspect of let's start with the, almost the establishing first. Let's start with uh, the the quality of person first. Let's start with that person, not the academic part, but the character of that person mm -hmm. first before everything else, and then everything else kind of trickles down. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think if you're educating, it kind of is under the assumption that you're safe and you're eating. You know. You know right. But, but I think Andrew, you have you have the yeah. best um, definition of education that I've ever come across. And uh, a talk I went to a long time ago—it's like maybe the first time I, I met you—was that ed the the purpose of education is to form the appetites of the person, mm. to desire the true, the good, and the beautiful. Yeah, and that has always really stuck with me. That that is what education is for. It's not to fill the head with knowledge. It's to form the person. Mm -hmm. And so this character building that you're talking about, this is at the very heart of education, because if we're not forming people, then we're, then we're wasting our time. Right. And one of the great things about having kids at home and a family at home is you can read these things, you know, together. Mm -hmm. you, you can yeah. read out loud to the whole family and have conversations about this, and then it becomes a shared cultural point of view that's going to cultivate yeah. what you're hoping for. Um, knowledge, of course, is important, you know, but here's the funny thing. I think all of us go through school and we, we learn a little bit about a whole lot of things. 
and then it kind of evaporates. So right. We, we, we end school thinking, well, I know almost nothing about everything. You're right. And the only thing you learn is how to take a test. Yeah. And then it, you let it go. Right. Whereas if you can learn, you know, as we tend to do as adults, we tend to go a little deeper and start to want to learn more about something that truly interests us. And that's when the real learning starts, whether, you know, it's theology and, and you guys are very well versed there or something that comes to your profession or, um, you know, an, an interest in uh, a particular kind of m- narrower area of history and you just want to keep learning and going deep. What I've noticed is if you can go deep into knowledge, then you still have evaporation but you've got some left over. So then you know something about something rather than almost nothing about everything. Right. And it's a better deal. <laughs> yeah. Well, there have been times where I've learned things and later on, I, I, it's like, well, I don't remember how, like why this is true, but I do remember like the end, you know, because if you're going deep, 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 I don't remember maybe the stuff in the beginning, but I remember at the end when we got there to yeah. like this deep truth, I, that stuck with me. I, maybe I don't remember how to get there, but I do remember that this is true. Yeah. You know, this one other thing. I can't support it with some of the the base, but... Well, one of the freeing things about thinking about knowledge <clears throat> is it's infinite. Mm, right? That's true. So you can't know everything. Right. Mm-hmm. So all you have to do is learn something. Mm-hmm. I was used to think education would have been so much easier a thousand years ago. There was a whole lot less history. <laughs> There's just a fraction of the literature. Right. There was much less science. Uh-huh. But that's not even true, right? I mean, it's infinite. Right. It always has been infinite. Philosophy was the same. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. We we have the modern philosophy. Well, that's just trash. <laughs> oh, it doesn't qualify. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, so, in any case, um, that idea that you it's okay to learn things together... And go deeper and not worry about trying to learn everything that everybody says you have to. Mm-hmm. And then you can choose. You can prioritize. Do I want to learn about the history of the church? Do I want to learn about the history of the, or government of the country? This yeah. is a particularly good time. Do I want to learn about socialist countries in the past 150 years? This could be a very good time to study something like Maybe right? you could use the check you get from the government. <laughs> <laughs> To buy a course on socialism for your children. Yeah, yeah, you probably couldn't buy one. You just have probably most of the good stuff is free, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, so character, knowledge, and then skills. Now, I kind of cheated here. I said that was one thing, but it's actually two. It divides into two parts: mm-hmm. language skills and math skills. Mm. And then, kind of the corpus callosum because you can't them be good at both. Is the you know logic, right? Okay. Uh, so, you know, what's language? Well, it's grammar and logic and rhetoric and it's writing and speaking and reading and all of that stuff. But you can think about it much more organically, right? Okay. Uh, and then math skills, of course, you know, we walk a path of learning math. And uh, probably the most important thing is to maintain what you know and keep doing it so it gets easier and faster and you get more confident. You know, you hear people say, I hate math. Right? Mm-hmm. Nobody hates math. You can't hate math. Math is intrinsically beautiful. What we hate is not being able to do it. Right. Right? Yeah. Hmm. So, three things to think about. Character. What are you doing to develop that in kids? Knowledge. Learn stuff. And skills. Language skills. Math skills. And we'll help you with the language stuff at 
IEW.com. <laughs> okay, so when we get back, we'll, we'll, we'll jump into the skills part. Okay. And, and, like, pragmatically, how do we do that in the home? Okay. Sound good? Sounds great. All right. Good. If he said that didn't sound good, this last segment would be really awkward. I thought you only had three. Then we got one more. So oh, we're good. I thought there was three. So we're good. Okay. All right. We'll be right and back. And there's no... Uh, there's no Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan and Andrew Pudua. Some people have called him the sensei of words. We're drinking some sensei whiskey imported from the land of Japan, the land of tomorrow. And we're talking about homeschooling. We're talking about education. Maybe you're accidentally homeschooling now. Yeah. What to do at home right now. And so... I forget what we, where we left off, but skills. We, yeah, we're, skills. Well, we're talking like about character. nunchuck skills, bow yeah. hunting skills. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about like real skills. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, within kind of the academic zone. Okay. Yes. And and yes. I would in no way uh, discount the importance of the bow hunting skills. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, we were talking about uh, language. Yes. And math. Because those are probably well. If we look at the seven liberal arts, mm-hmm. that's the which natu- we've done an episode on. We with have you. that's yes. the natural division: yeah. mm-hmm. language, the trivium, grammar, logic, rhetoric, and then uh, the quadrivium: arithmetic, geometry, astronomy, music. And so those are the two areas. Those are the liberal or what we might call liberating arts, because those allow us to pursue the truth. Uh, so. Uh, how to teach language? You know, uh, there's this term language arts, and I kind of don't like the term because it very often musters up a lot of yucky stuff in people's mind. You know, they think, oh man, okay. So there's phonics and spelling and reading and literature, and then there's grammar and composition and handwriting and public speaking. And, mm. you know, it's like you run out of fingers and you think, I, how do you teach all that stuff? <laughs> so our company, um, we have a little tagline, so it's IEW, and the tagline is listen, speak, read, write, think. And the uh, integration of those, because th- that's the more classical approach to thinking about arts of language, listening, speaking, reading, writing. And what's the result? Better thinking. Mm. Uh, so listening, we, we do, you know, as we read to our children, they improve their understanding and that listening uh, builds their vocabulary it furnishes their mind with uh, grammar and syntax and if we're reading good and beautiful stuff it's it's furnishing their mind with um, the the beautiful uses of words the schemes and tropes that make language so eloquent and uh, you know if we read uh, scripture of course if we read um, kind of classics, and they can even be young children's. You know, a classic doesn't have to be an old, thick, hard-to-read book. It can be Blueberries for Sal or Ping. You know, they, yeah. they have a classic element yeah. to them. So would you, would or you Little advise, House on the Prairie. 
that's Little a, House on the Prairie. That's a good one for suffering. It yes, they had some hard times to, yeah. to live through. Yeah. yeah, my girls are eating those up right now. I all bet. the Little House books. So would you good. advise though, like reading in chunks throughout the day, because you know kids sometimes. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, how, like how do we do that? Well, pl- you know, see how it goes. You know, m- most uh, families I know that do this successfully mm-hmm. have kind of two reading times. One is morning. And first thing, and we just all gather around, you know, mom has a cup of tea or coffee. <coughs> the kids can draw or crochet or play with Legos and mom just, you know, read for half an hour, an hour. And that just brings everyone in and then they can go about the next step of whatever they want to do. And then in the evening, right? And if dads are home, they can, you know, just get away from the screens, um, wait on the dishes and read, read something to everybody. And if... If dad's reading a book that dad wants to read, he's enjoying it, then everybody's enjoying it. Yeah, so, so that's that, a good point. Listening so critical. Speaking, of course, you know, children talk all the time. Talking is kind of a, a random verb. Everybody talks. Speaking, though, has a little more intentionality, right? You speak to someone. You speak about something. You train yourself to speak. Right. You talk to yourself. You speak to others. Good possibility. Yeah. Um, so how how have we done that traditionally? Well, one thing is memorizing beautiful stuff and reciting it. You know, so one of the things we're giving away in our um, Lessons 2020, free promotion you mentioned at the beginning, is level one of our poetry memorization program. And so it's it's all 20 poems and it's the MP3 recordings of me reciting the poems. And children as young as five or six can can learn and memorize poetry. You can supplement that with scripture. You can even use things like a Baltimore catechism, mm-hmm. right? And memorize yeah. questions and answers. And and now you you are furnishing the mind, like I said, not just with the words, not just with the syntax and, and the flow of the language, but with the ideas as well. Yeah. So, you know, speaking and um, and then there's some extensions on that. Um, older kids can memorize excerpts of famous speeches. That is a phenomenal thing to do. Boy, when you memorize an excerpt of a speech, it puts you in direct experience with that part of history. Um, and, and then hmm. reading, of course. You know, kids, you know, read books, but you can read with your eyes, read with your ears. Um, and writing, and that's our specialty, you know, is how to help. Um, a, a, when a child has to write something, it's insanely complicated in fact i once thought just the fact human beings can write is just proof of the existence of god <laughs> like it's so complicated yeah. right so you have to yes, have an idea I know. yeah yes, how many I muscles agree. are involved yeah. right right yeah. well you have to have an idea the idea has to exist either internally or externally then you have to speak that idea into existence you actually have to kind of say what you're thinking yeah then you have to hear what you said yourself think what mm-hmm. you heard yourself say yeah. and then you have to remember what you heard yourself say to yourself and hold it in your memory long enough to be able to write the first word and get some spelling or get some letters to spell it correctly. Yeah. And you got to continuously hold all of those variables. It's insanely complex. So, you know, to teach that, really you want to be able to break it into small component parts. And that's what we specialize in. Okay, so let's talk about music. Music, yes. You know, it's so interesting. Why is music one of the mathematical arts, right? right? Why is it in there with arithmetic, geometry, and astronomy? Well, because math itself is 
precisely mathematical. Music, vib- music is mathematical. Ma- sorry, yeah. yes. yes. Music is precisely mathematical. Yeah. The vibrations themselves, the rhythmic structures, yeah. you know, the harmonics and the pitches, everything. We even use math terms when we talk about music. Yeah. Right? Frequency mm-hmm. and, and, you know, uh, half notes, quarter notes, mm-hmm. and intervals, first, seconds, you know, major thirds. But I think, unfortunately, so many people today have become music consumers rather than music totally producers experiencers creators you know and this is one thing i think that all of us could do better on i don't i don't know anybody who says yep i do this really well and that's just having opportunity for your children to make music at home uh, and especially as a family and obviously every one of us has an instrument we carry around it's totally free right um, and you, you use it all the time. Some of them are broken, but, you know, they, you still got one. <laughs> and and why, why should we not see a restoration of singing together? You, you mentioned John Sr. Mm-hmm. He talked a lot about that, mm-hmm. the importance of singing together. And it's hard. You know, it takes a little discipline. You've got to say, okay, we're going to do this. We're not going to do something else. And here's the words. And we're going to learn this song and mm-hmm. we're going to yeah. sing it together. And But I noticed that it's easier. Like, it seems like we may have lost that skill because my kids, it comes very naturally to sing. Mm-hmm. My my daughter will walk up and down the street pedaling, you know, her little tricycle and singing yeah. the whole time. Yeah. Nonsense. Uh, you're just singing. But she's enjoying it. She's making, you know, that, that that something that she just like, it comes naturally to her. Yeah. I don't do that any longer. No, right. No. You know, I don't walk down the street and sing. Dave, Dave does that every once in a while, uh, but yeah. I, I mean, I don't, and so I may have lost. At some point, I've lost that. That's something we probably need to gain back. Yeah, I remember reading um, a biography of a woman who grew up in a, in a Mormon family, and she went to college, and she was telling her roommate there that her family would gather around the piano. And sing hymns mm-hmm. every night. She grew up her whole childhood doing that. And and as she was explaining it, you're like, okay, well, that was her world. But what a awesome thing for a family to do together. Mm-hmm. To learn to just sing hymns and maybe maybe even learn to harmonize a little bit. It's going to take effort for, you know, especially young dads today to make this happen. But I think the value would be overwhelming and, you know, and then if you've got some, you know, piano or violin or something or early childhood music class, that's great, too. But you don't have to spend a dime to start singing with your whole family. Yeah. And there are so many beautiful hymns. You mentioned hymns. hymns. Yeah. There are so many forgotten hymns in our Catholic tradition that are stunningly beautiful. Yes. That... Um, would be so valuable for us even as adults Absolutely. to learn. And if, if teaching them to our children is the excuse we need to learn them ourselves, <laughs> all, be, so all the be more it. better. Yeah. Well, and that, that makes a nice kind of segue to a final point, which is, you know, a lot of parents I meet who are homeschooling either intentionally or accidentally say, wow, it's like I'm getting the education now. That I always wanted. <laughs> yeah. I always wanted. <laughs> yeah. I will, so sometimes I'll tell Pamela and my wife, like, hey, Maybe we should teach the girls this this song next. And I'm saying it just because I want to know it. Yes. And I don't. And I know that hearing them sing it over and over again, I'll learn it. 
you know, and so it's selfish, but yeah. So the people who are saying, okay, I go to IUW, where, do they need to go somewhere else specifically? IUW.com slash Lessons 2020. Lessons 2020. And we got our free package there. And then any questions, you can chat or call our people at the office. We're all working from home right now. Yes. And we will we will help you navigate through uh, the teaching of the arts and language at home. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank Andrew, you. it's always a pleasure to have you on. Thank it's you so much. Always a pleasure to be here. Good. All right. The winning side. So raise your glass. And cheers to Jesus. Singing more with my family. That doesn't come naturally to me. I'm a terrible singer. I can't carry a tune in the bucket. In a bucket. I don't believe it. Um, well, that's okay. You haven't heard me sing. <laughs> I might ask uh, you to sing right now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, and and so. As the leader of the family, that's something that's going to be very uncomfortable for me. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with doing it. Uh, where? How do I start? How do? Like, what do I do? Like, what would you recommend me starting with? I'd pr- maybe like a C or a B flat. I was thinking F sharp. That's mm, there's a lot of sharps in F sharp. Just so you that's, know, that's typically where you I'm, pick maybe the worst key. <laughs> <laughs> if you're singing and there's no piano to worry about, it doesn't right. really matter. I'd say C or G. Um, I would say, you know, get some, like you said, traditional Catholic hymns. Okay. And Where do I get those? Well, you know, you probably, you idea? I probably mean, Google, you know, where, do you, where you do. are you getting them? Okay, so I found some just the other day in the back of this Novena book. It's a book. You know that St. Joseph shrine that we're past that uh, you saw at my house the other day? Yes. Well, J. Thomas. He's got these old novenas. like these novenas at the back are a treasury of Catholic hymns. So we were going through it, and I found a whole bunch of them. Just buy some old prayer book and you, see what's in it. You might actually be able to find PDFs of stuff like that yeah. online too, because it's all older. Yeah, you but know, I'm not musically like inclined. I'm not trained, so I'm looking or at this ask stuff. Your, and I'm like, ask your local Latin parish, you know. Yeah, sneak over to Precious Blood and look at the Adoramus Seminole there. Yeah, um, but I'm not. I, I don't know. Like, know. I, I can look at that and say like this is almost like speaking or looking at Latin. No, I, I don't no, know. No, no, but they're English. There's English well, hymns. I know, but what I'm saying the is other I don't know. Thing is, if you can't read the notes, right? You can just go to YouTube and type in the name of the hymn, and ten to one, there's like the Mormon Tabernacle Choir singing the thing. That. Right. Yeah. So I think there's enough help that you could get. Is your wife a little more musically inclined than you? Sure. Well, I don't know. Probably more than me. You can play the guitar. Yes. You play the guitar? Yes, but I mean, not well. All right, well, fine. Then you got no problem. Um, But there, you know, there are lots of songs that we carry around in our brain just because we grew up in the church and, and singing them, and you see the words, and the melody will just pop right back to you. Right. It's usually the words you forget before the melodies. Mm-hmm. You know, and then if you just practice a little bit reading the notes in the hymnal, you know, it, you, you, it'll remind you, okay, that goes up, that goes down. You know, I think you could. Um, I actually have a friend, he's a Protestant, but he has put together. <laughs> we don't, we don't hold it. <laughs> he's a Protestant, but. But, but <laughs> he's put together a really wonderful family um, worship songbook. Hmm. Um, he actually nice. is the guy who created Matthew C. If you're familiar with that curriculum, Steve mm-hmm. Demi, wonderful man. I've heard of it. I, I, um, so you know that's something that could be had, and and uh, okay, I I could probably find that send send one to you, or send you a link at least. Okay, um, but I think there's plenty of resources if you combine what's at your church 
if you can get in these days. Right. Um, what you can find online in terms of the words to the great hymns. And then if you need help with the, the melodies, just cheat. Yeah. Yeah. Just. Well, one of the things that we did to memorize the books of the Bible for my kids, we just made up as we went along. Uh-huh. We a, so- a song to go with? Yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah. because that's how we knew it was going to be the easiest way to memorize it, so we made up a song. And there were times, because we were just adding five at a time, right? We'd add five books at a time every night mm-hmm. uh, and build off of that. And there were times at the end of the that section of the five, we were like, I don't know what's coming tomorrow because <laughs> we did not leave ourselves very much room to work with with this. But, you know, we just kind of winged it and... So they, they know it. So I mean, it's great. not it's not yeah. great. It's not beautiful, but it they no, know the books see, of the Bible. <laughs> you you have you created music. You have composed. Yeah, I guess. So. Yeah, I guess. So, so you can do it. But it's just it. I think for a lot of people these days, it just feels awkward. Mm-hmm. All right. It, I mean, a lot of people just don't even sing in church too. You you know you get a like a worship team or whatever, and you look and you see half the people, most of the men are not singing along. They're just standing there waiting for it to be over. I mean, that's kind of tragic, really. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I, I make a point to sing, even though I'm not very good at it, but because I want my boys to see that I'm singing, that I'm participating. It's yeah, part of participation exactly. in mass. Yeah, you got to teach by example. Yeah. yeah. Especially if you're playing music. I mean, there's singing is great, but playing music and singing, I mean, there's something really like adding an instrument. Mm-hmm. Just to me... It's just so much better. Well, it, I agree with you, but if you were to make having an instrument the determining factor of whether you sing together, oh yeah, yeah, no, no, not that at all. Would be yeah, not at all. You know, um, <laughs> here's just a funny little story. Um, when we were <clears throat> had a bunch of young kids, mm-hmm. we had remember the old days when phones had answering machines, right? So we we made a recording. And we all sang, and it went kind of like, hello, 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 hello. Oh, we are busy now, but we would like to say, if you will leave a message, we'll call you right away. Okay, so we, we sang this as a family. And one day, my, my wife, there was like a hundred messages, only nobody said anything. It was just like listening and hanging out. No, it. it was my youngest daughter who kept calling our own phone number so she could hear the song that we sang into the message machine. <laughs> That's awesome. So, you know, and we always sing Grace, and, you know, so there's certain things that you can... What do you sing at Grace? Um, Be present at our table, Lord. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we sing that all the time. And, you know... Um, you know, because I have a background, I can break off and do a little harmony. Uh-huh. And we've always got two octaves going because there's, you know, females and males. It actually sounds pretty good. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, okay, hey, that was a moment of beauty. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully, you know, as, as your kids have opportunity, they can get into a choir. Mm-hmm. You know, being part of a, a choir is a tremendous experience for children. Mm-hmm. Musical theater is pretty awesome, too. Um, you guys know about the the, the Catholic homeschool yeah. theater group. Yes. Oh yeah, oh yes, yeah. oh yeah. The classical they, they Catholic phenomenal. drama club. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. they've done a great job. So, Ken Henderson is heads that up. Yeah, wonderful, good, good yeah. guy, a good friend of ours. <clears throat> One of the things I also heard, like when you're talking about in this episode, you said at the beginning of the day, reading for an hour and a half or two or an, or an hour. Yeah, half an hour, an hour. Yeah, 
Okay, I'll be honest. I have never read an hour to my kids. Um, maybe I'm giving like leaving them short. Maybe I'm thinking like, have your kids ever played with Legos or or drawn pictures or stayed in one place for an hour? Oh yes. Then they can listen to you read for an hour. And it's not yeah. like they have to sit there no. quietly with their hands in their laps. I mean, right. they can be doing Absolutely. stuff, doing I mean, something think else. Think about it. you. You listen to audiobooks. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And I love audiobooks. But I do not sit and do nothing while listening to an audiobook. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've always, I'm cooking my breakfast, I'm in the car, I'm driving, I'm doing mm-hmm. something with my hands. And, and then that audiobook is just enriching my, my life right. at that moment. But to just sit in a chair and do nothing and listen, I don't think I could do it. Yeah. I, I, I'd just be like, I got to do something. Yeah. So, That's a good yeah, point. That, that is, that that is, is a good let point. kids keep their hands busy, and and there you'll you'll and they'll notice. still remember it. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I do, I do. I mean, I mean, they have to stay quiet, but. Right. You know. But that's but no they, problem. But you can stop. I mean, if someone has a, a, a good question, you can stop and talk about it. Or if there's a word that needs to define, you can stop and define the word. Or if there's an idiom or an illusion that they yeah. might not get, you could stop and say, oh, you know what? That is really interesting. I think what it means is blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, sometimes it is funny. Like when you're reading, sometimes you're, you'll say something and your kids will just start laughing. You know, just like that happens to me. Like it's an expression that you just is so familiar to you. It's not funny, but to them, they just think it's hilarious, you know, because they don't get it. Not, I wish I could remember what it was, but that happened recently where they just started laughing. <laughs> and then I thought about it. It's like, yeah, that, that is, is really funny. <laughs> Thank you for laughing at that. How, how old are your kids now, David? Uh, four. Or, well, my oldest will be five in April. Five. Okay. Yeah. So we read at the end of dinner. Mm-hmm. That's a good time. Just like the monks. Yeah, it's a good time. Yeah, because I'm always done before they are. Did I ever tell you that hilarious story about when I ate lunch with the monks with a friend of mine? No. Okay, so you've had lunch with the monks. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And they read, but they chant the whole thing. Yeah, I tried that, and the girls didn't like it. No. So I had a friend of (laughs) mine, um, Chris Perrin, who's big in the classical world, and uh, we were doing talks together, and, and he came out to Clerk Creek, and I took him to the monastery, and he, he loves monasteries. He's just... And so we're sitting there eating our soup, and they're reading this history book about, I think it was the Mexican Revolution or the Mexican-American War or something. It was just awful, grisly stuff. And, and so the reader is chanting... And so Colonel Sanchez went into the place where the prisoners were kept, and then he took out his knife and cut off one ear from each of the prisoners, right? And then he strung the ears on his string of many ears, which he kept about his neck. And you're like, this is like unbelievably violent and gross, only it's this this weird non-emotional chant. Right. And I'm sitting there trying to eat lentil soup or whatever. I'm right. Just, and trying not to laugh. <laughs> Things like, are so funny when they're chanted. <laughs> I'm telling you, every time I go there, like, yeah, when they do history, mm-hmm. the first time I was ever there, they were chanting something about Abraham Lincoln freeing the slaves. And I was like, trying not to like, laugh. Yeah. don't look at, like, I just remember thinking like, don't look at anybody yeah. else. Just, just don't eat. do it. Just put food in your <laughs> mouth. Yeah. Like, and then Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves and there was much rejoicing and the people, you know, like, yeah. were. <laughs> so I had this theory about why they do this. 
Okay. And I'm thinking, why do they do this? Yeah. And I thought it's it's about humility, and and no one being better, right? Because some people would naturally read better, sure, than other people, right? And if you had a good reader, well, he could get all puffed up about being a better reader. And if you had a worse reader, right? So I thought this is just a this totally levels the field. Like if everybody yeah. just does it this way, nobody's better than anyone else. So it's a point of humility. And so I'm working my theory. So I finally go to Father Bethel. I said, so I have a theory. Why do you chant when you do readings at meals? What do you say? Well, and, it's just what it says. To and do. No, no. And I said, this is my theory. And he goes, no, no, nothing like that. I said, so why do you do it? And he goes, well, you know, a long time ago, they didn't have microphones or speakers or amplification. And the chant just carried through the hall a lot better. So we just do it the way they always did. <laughs> See, I was, I was, my theory was that. Very Benedictine answer. Yeah. You know how you remember stuff when it's music. Yeah. Like yeah. all of a sudden you're kind of bridging, you're now doing that. So you, I think your memory, that's, that was my theory that they've discovered memory retention was a lot higher, but. Possibly, but. Obviously I'm wrong too. Yeah. yeah. Just, Overthinking it. But do no. what they did. Because it carries through the hall better yeah. when, <laughs> a thousand years ago. Why do that? That's just the way we've always done it. Yeah. yeah. The typical, typical, Monks. Minute, yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. Anything else? That, uh, com slash yeah. what was the slash again? Lessons 2020. I'll uh link that in the show notes Super. as well. Yeah, appreciate it. Sweet, so, thanks again. Yeah, bud. we've had over 7,000 downloads of this awesome nice. killer. So we're hoping Good. for you know, I mean, if we even get like a 20% conversion rate, we're happy, sure, absolutely. Um, but um, yeah, that so, would be a lot. So far, the so far all the feedback has been super positive. And awesome. How old's your oldest? Uh, six, almost seven. Seven. He'll be seven in June. Gosh, you looked older in that picture. I know. I would have thought he's like ten. And he's eating like he's a ten-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It is crazy. <laughs> Dude, he had uh, four pancakes and like six pieces of bacon and fruit and hash browns this morning. Nice. Like, hey, it takes it takes a lot of food to catch fish. I was I was like, he's eating more than I am. Like oh. he is eating a lot of food and sleeping longer, so he's growing. Yeah, it's awesome. So, nice. Congratulations. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>